Welcome once again to the Believe in the Ravens podcast. I'm your host, Bo Smolka, joined once again by Ravens, former, former Ravens tight end, Daniel Wilcox. And today we're going to look back at the Ravens' 24-9 win over the New York Jets in the season opener. Before we get to that, though, we can't not discuss this Lamar Jackson situation. On Friday, just before the season began, that was Lamar Jackson's deadline for coming up with a contract extension. The team put out a statement that morning saying, we were unable to reach a deal with Lamar Jackson. We're going to play out this season and we'll, we'll renegotiate after the season. So this creates a lot of questions for this team. On Sunday, just before the Jets game, word came out on ESPN that the team had offered Jackson a deal, according to ESPN, of $250 million with $133 million guaranteed at signing. My understanding is the big issue, the big holdup so far has been Lamar Jackson wants a guaranteed contract. Deshaun Watson got a guaranteed contract and Lamar Jackson wants one now. This seems to be the biggest sticking point. So let me ask you, Daniel Wilcox, are you giving Lamar Jackson a fully guaranteed contract if you are Ravens owner Steve Bishotti? Yes, I am. I mean, I'm not speaking for Steve, but I'm speaking for me if I was Steve Bishotti and I was a billionaire, right? So if I own the Ravens and I, I I think it's time for change, you know, things that change makes people uncomfortable. And I think you're starting to see a lot more guaranteed contracts in the NFL. And I think that's where it's kind of transitioning to. I think we deserve it. I've always thought we deserved it. My, 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 my only contract with the Ravens was a guaranteed contract, the entire contract. Um, so my three year deal was all guaranteed. So that gave me a sense of relief, a sense of comfort, you know, and I wanted to be able to have some security and we, we have no security in NFL, um, in NBA, they have security and in major league baseball, they have security. We play the most violent sport out of all of them and we have absolutely no security. There's something about having to pack up your house and move your family because you got released or you got traded somewhere, you know, so that guarantee word when they have to pay you all your money regardless, that kind of holds them accountable for hiring you, for signing you. You know, there's no accountability on their end. They can hire you, pay you what they want to pay you, cut you, don't have to pay you a cent of it. And it's, it's not, I don't, I've never thought it was fair, you know, and I think that's why basketball and MLB, you know, is where it is. And you get a chance to see the teams be the same teams for so long. And when they lock in a Kevin Durant or LeBron James, they're going to be there for the long haul. They're usually not going anywhere. You know, so I think that's how it should be in, in the NFL, too. Like, if you make a mistake um, drafting me or not drafting me or paying me, then you should have to own up to your mistake. You know, if I don't if I don't produce the way you thought I would, you know, so it's like if we get injured, it's over for us. You know, so we we trying to we trying to support our families for the rest of our life. And the NFL gives us that opportunity. So um, we go out and we put it all on the line. We train, we work, we we, we, we take every hit. You know, um, Rick Ross had a song say, you wasn't with me when y'all was shooting in the gym, you know, and it's like that's that's basically saying you wasn't with me putting all this work in. So you don't deserve some of the money that I get from from doing what I do. But I think Lamar deserves it, man. Um, I, I can't say and his record supports give me the money, you know, so I think he's right up there with the top of the quarterbacks in the, in the whole league. You know, the people complain about him over and over and over again, Bo. But I, they always say if you're not doing something right, you have no haters. Obviously, he got so many haters, so he must be doing something really, really right. And um, I love, I love the kid, man. I think, I think he deserves it. I really do. 
We will see. I personally think it's going to be a sticking point. I don't think Steve Bishotti is interested in giving a fully guaranteed contract. Now, I will say this. Steve Bishotti was asked, this is the Ravens owner, Steve Bishotti was asked last spring about, about the situation and really about Deshaun Watson getting this big guaranteed contract, which tipped the market completely. And he said at the time, essentially, he said he didn't think Deshaun Watson should have been the person to get that first guaranteed contract. It sets it, it makes all other negotiations more difficult, and that's clearly the case here. Uh, the Ravens, the Ravens, I do not believe are interested in giving a guaranteed contract. So here's what happens: they play out this season. Let's say Lamar Jackson takes them indeed to a Super Bowl championship. Well, you know what, Lamar mm-hmm. Jackson, Lamar Jackson names the price then, and he has all the leverage. If he doesn't. If he doesn't, let's say they go 10 and 7, maybe win a playoff game and they're out of the playoffs in the second round again. I think he's going to have a very hard time getting a guaranteed contract in Baltimore. And if that doesn't happen, he maybe he gets franchise tag for a year, maybe he gets franchise tag a second year. Or it is not out of the question that they look to trade him to some team that will give him a fully guaranteed contract. So this is going to be delicate. I will say this. Just because they've shelved the contract discussions till after the season between them does not mean that the contract discussions will end among everyone else, as we're doing right now. His contract is going to be a dominant storyline really all season. Is he playing well? That's going to help his contract. He's not playing well. That's going to hurt his contract. We're not going to get away from it. But in my mind, I would be very surprised if Steve Bishotti moves off his philosophy of not giving guaranteed contracts, and I think this will absolutely come up. I, no, I, I don't think Steve Bashadi wants to give this contract, right? Like, who wants to give, you know, a kid, a 23-year-old kid, $250 million guaranteed? Nobody would want to do that in their right mind, right? So I don't blame Steve Bashadi for not wanting to do that. And, but I think Lamar has came in from day one, you know, saying my goal, my ultimate goal is to bring the city of Baltimore a Super Bowl. Um, I think every year he's prepared for that. Last year was a really down year. He got hurt, got banged up, et cetera, et cetera. The whole team did, right? And then he comes back off that year. He comes back bigger. He comes back stronger. I'm finna take over. Like mentally, you see every intangible, every tool is still there. And he's bigger and stronger and probably just as fast, just as quick. I, I think in this standpoint right now, they came in mind like, all right, we're going to give him half of a guarantee. And it's still going to be right up there with, the, you know, the Calamari's and, you know, all those guys and stuff like that. Right. So I, I think Lamar came in with this thing. Like, if I don't get what Deshaun Watson got, considering who I am, what I've done, I'm already been a, suit, a league MVP already. Um, yeah, I've, I've already won more playoff games than Deshaun Watson, you know, or whatever. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I think Lamar, you know, having to sit down and understanding how contracts are negotiated and how things are put together. And this is the standard. Like once the son Watson got that with the trouble that he's been in, Lamar is like, I deserve that. I deserve at least that. And I don't want to back up off that. And if I don't believe enough in me to to, to hold my ground and stand my ground, then I'm, I'm losing the game. And he know once he negotiates this contract, he, he won't be able to come back to the table again. So I don't blame him for saying, all right, I'm going to play for it. I'm going to play for this contract that I want. You you think I don't deserve it? I'm going to show you that I deserve it. And it, when Steve Bishotti, you know, he's a businessman. He's looking at a young 23-year-old kid from Miami, Florida, you know, that that, that wears chains, gold necklaces, chains. He's going to spend all his money on jewelry. He's going to spend his money on cars. He go, you know, he got a clothing line, you know. You know, it, I think he sits back and look at it like, how is he going to spend the money that I'm going to give him? 
You know, and I think he's like, uh, that's a huge part of it. But I'm telling you, man, like when I was in New York my rookie year, like I had a conversation with Curtis Martin and it, I, it stuck with me the rest of my life. And he was like, man, they love what you're doing on the field, but they're always watching what you're doing off the field. And it, it never left me. And I was like, what am I doing? off? I don't drink. I don't smoke. I'm not a party animal like that. I was a designated driver for all the older guys, right? They want to go out to the club. I'm, with, I'm at the club with them, Bo, but I'm not drinking. I'm not smoking. I'm not getting high. I'm not using drugs. And I make sure they get home safe. But the fact that I was going with those guys looked like I was a party animal, even though I wasn't. Lamar Jackson has every right to say, hey, if Deshaun Watson got a guaranteed contract, I deserve a guaranteed contract. It's another reason why I think Steve Bishotti and 31 other own, or 30 other owners are mm-hmm. irate at Cleveland for giving that guaranteed contract. <laughs> the Players Association, of course, is pushing and pushing and pushing for guaranteed contracts. To your point, right. Major League Baseball has done it. And, and I know the Players Association is driving this to, to, to push toward more guaranteed contracts. Uh, but I don't know. It's not there now. And, and as I said, Steve Bishotti does not seem interested in play, paying it. But Joe Flacco basically bet on himself and led the Ravens to a Super Bowl championship. And if Lamar Jackson does that, then Lamar Jackson names the price. And that's and at right. that point, Steve Bishotti might say, you know what? All right, I'm, I'm, we'll pay it. You just won us the Super Bowl. You, you earned it. He I think it. it's going to be fascinating, but the talk will not go away. All right, before right. we move on to this, uh, the game against the New York Jets, I want to remind you that Believe in the Ravens is sponsored by Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-the-market odds and lines. You can find reviews and news of every league, Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline is the top online resource for all your sports information, live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to join and make your first bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. All right, Daniel Wilcox, the Ravens season started in East Rutherford, New Jersey, and it started really well for them. It started slowly, but then they were able to pull away to a 24-9 win over a Jets team that was shorthanded in a lot of ways starting with the quarterback position, and our old friend Joe Flacco started for the Jets, but they had offensive line issues, and the Ravens' defense played really, really well. You had mentioned last week, Daniel Wilcox, you thought the Ravens would win if they won two of the three phases, and I thought they won all three phases decisively. Uh, We saw the Jets, who were a good special teams unit last year, had trouble in the kicking game, and they had a couple terrible punts. But let's break this game down a little bit, starting with the offense. We talked about how we there were concerns. This offense did not play much in the preseason, if at all. Almost no starters played at all. Ronnie Stanley is still out. And they started slowly. They had, they had one first down in their first three drives. Lamar Jackson didn't look in sync early. And maybe that's understandable, having not played at all in the preseason. There were some throws that were off target, some throws that were dropped. They got a short field and couldn't score a touchdown. Even though they started inside the 15-yard line, they were held to a field goal. But Jackson, to his credit, made three touchdown throws of more than 15 yards, one including a 55-yard beautiful bomb to Rashad Bateman. But the guy that stepped up more than anyone in this game was Devin Duvernay. And we've talked all summer about this receiving core. And Devin Duvernay, he admitted that they, they they know that there are critics out there saying, well, who else do they have other than Bateman? They got Bateman and what? 
They had Duvernay. They had James Prochet, Tylen Wallace. None of these guys have done anything. And they hear the criticism. And Devin Duvernay goes out there and catches two touchdown passes, equaling his career totally. He had two touchdowns in his career on offense. He also had a return touchdown. But Duvernay was the standout on this team offensively. I remember when Devin Duvernay was drafted, Eric DaCosta talked about the phrase that stuck with me about Devin Duvernay. He called him tough with the football, and he reminded him in ways of Steve Smith and Anquan Bolden, just not as overall players yet, but just in the sense that when he catches the ball, he is going to compete, and he's going to fight for yardage after the catch, and he made a great contested catch for the first touchdown and worked himself open on the second. But Daniel Wilcox, when you watch Devin DuVernay, do you think he is on his way to establishing himself as a number as a quote number two receiver on this team, and what do you think he does best? Man, I, I feel like every receiver in the NFL has an opportunity to be a number one or number two receiver. It's just about the the amount of times you throw the ball his way, and he give him a chance. They all at some point was a number one receiver on the team. You know that's why they're in the NFL. You know none of these guys were number twos. None of these guys was number threes. Then the NFL because they was the guy. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, that's your approaches, your Batemans, your Duvernays, you know, all of these guys, they always number one. So I, I, the way I look at it, Bo, is if you give these guys enough attempts or enough chances, enough opportunities to touch the football, they got a chance to show you something special. And when you're watching receivers and you're critiquing receivers and you're sitting there breaking down film on them, you know, I think putting in putting them in the category of Steve Smith or Anquan Bowding, especially Steve Smith, because I felt like. For Steve Smith, pound for pound, he was like he was like Floyd Mayweather. He was fifty and zero, mm-hmm. you know, like pound for pound. I don't care who you go against, he's gonna come out on top. He's gonna find a way to win. The guy was a fighter, and he was tough as nails, you know. So to see some of that, you know, in Duvernay, I think is a is a blessing all on its own, and it just kind of speaks to the quality and the type of player that Duvernay is. Um, he did make some great catches and some great plays, and I was I was I wasn't any more impressed than you know. Sam Bateman catch the deep ball on the deep post that Lamar threw that like it was in the air for two years. Um, it was a phenomenal throw, phenomenal plays by these guys. And I mean, that's why they get paid the big bucks and they're in the NFL. And I felt like the receiving thing would not be an issue at all. All year long, all summer long, it was like, what about the receiving core? What about the receiving? And then they come out, they have a good game. What about the running backs? What about the running backs? You know, so it's like, you know, it's always got to be something to talk about, man. The receivers have, they play, they play likes out. You know, I think they got a good core tight ends. I don't think Isaiah likely didn't get a chance to have the show out that he wanted to show out, but it's coming. You know, the tight ends are going to go off for 200 yards one game. Watch. Andrews and, and Likely and, and, and Boyle, they're going to put together about a 200-yard game. And people are going to be like, oh, my God, the Ravens tight ends are insane. Yeah, you forgot about them, huh, because the receivers had a good game, huh? But, I mean, it's, it's all coming. It's all coming, man. And I, I think this year is going to be a phenomenal season to just watch how great Lamar Jackson is going to play all year and how he's going to be the best point guard you've ever seen on the football field this year. I think he's going to do it. He did a great job of staying in the pocket the entire game. And I hate when he stays in the pocket because I think he takes unnecessary hits. But, you know, it's part it's part of his game. He has the ability to do that. I just think that he stays in the pocket sometimes a little bit too long because people think that he has to do that, right? You got to stand in the pocket and take that big hit. You know, he can do that. He can definitely do that. But he has the ability, both to not take that big hit too. Well, I remember there was one specific play where uh, a couple of people reached out to me during the game and said, God, oh, Lamar Jackson, he holds the ball too long. He held the ball too long. The pocket collapsed. He should have got rid of the ball. And I know on one of those plays mm-hmm. at least – 
uh, Mark Andrews was lined up against Sauce Gardner, which was a great matchup. And I know Jackson was looking to go to Andrews on that play. And Andrews either slipped or, to my eye, honestly, I think Gardner pulled him down. And there was no pe- there was no penalty called. But I know Jackson was looking that way. Now Andrews is on the ground, and he can't throw there. So he's holding the ball to see where, where else he's going to go. And I forget what happened on that specific play. It might have been the one where he did the crazy spin out and got eight yards on the scramble that was just a vintage Lamar Jackson scramble. But that was one specifically where I know why he held the ball because his primary receiver, the guy he was looking to, fell down. Uh, right. And, and honestly, like I said, I thought he got pulled down. Isaiah Likely, first, the tight end. You're right. For the rookie that was pretty much the star of training camp, it was not an overly great start for him. A couple drops and a couple balls that Lamar Jackson probably didn't put where he would have wanted to put them. Um, so that was somewhat unlikely, somewhat on Jackson. But And we talked to John Harbaugh yesterday at his press conference, and he was actually more bothered by likely taking the penalty. You got a holding penalty on a perimeter play. And he had a couple of those in in, a, in preseason, too. And, and he said those are just cases where Isaiah Likely, that's not a skill set. That's not something he's done a lot of in college at Coastal Carolina, but it'll come. And there, but he does want to stress to him there. You know, you got to be in position. You got to have your hands in the right position. You got to just got to you got to get to the right spot, and you can't be taking the holdable penalties. The catches will come with Likely. There's no question about it. Uh, so it was a little bit of a slow start for him. Speaking of slow starts, the running game. I think everyone expected more from this running game. They averaged three yards a carry. Kenyon Drake got the start. 11 yard, eleven carries, rather, 31 yards. They didn't really get anything going. And we talked to John Harbaugh about it, and he said, look, the, the, the Jets were stacking up the box to stop the run. They were putting eight and nine guys up there at the line of scrimmage to stop the run. And they did, for the most part, and that's to their credit. I think the important thing about this is when they do that, what, what do you do? You dare a team to beat you deep. I mean, you're, you're asking right. for it. So when right. he is able to connect with that with that play to Rashad Bateman, when you if you're the Miami Dolphins this week and you're watching the Ravens on film and you see that touchdown pass to Bateman, how does that affect your ability to play the run? Don't do you not have to now expand your defense to to defend against that Bateman throw? To me, that was such an important play just for that. It does not allow right. a team to say we can really afford to put nine guys in the box because they can't beat us deep. When you beat, do beat them deep, you have to change how you view that. Am I correct about that? Absolutely. Um, it's when, To me, when guys put eight, nine guys in the box, you know, they're basically telling you that they're going man-to-man on the outside. They locking up with your receivers. They're basically saying that my athletes are better than your athletes. You know, so to me, the Ravens receivers will have to step up to that challenge. You know, they can be like, all right, you're going to play me man-on-man. It's about to be a problem all day long, and it's about – being aggressive and, and tenacious, you know, and um, just being just violent and physical. It's like Steve Smith used to be, right? You know, so you cannot go into a game at, as a disadvantage, you know, with your guys not being able to see the smoke that a defense is trying to bring. You know, you, they got to be ready for the hot throws. They got to be ready for the hot reads. And, they, and Lamar and those guys got to be on the same page. A lot of those hot throws go to the tight ends and the backs, you know, so they have to be on that same page. That's how you hurt them. Um, when you win the one-on-one battles on the outside, and Lamar is able to get the ball to those guys with max protection, then that allows him to be able to loosen that box up. If I can beat you throwing the ball on a consistent basis, now you can't put eight, nine guys in the box. You got to you got to stay true to form. You got to have seven in that box. As soon as we see seven in the box, then we run the ball. As soon as we see eight or nine in the box, we throw the ball. I mean, it's it's simple it's simple mathematics, right? 
at the end of the day, Bo, um, I think Lamar, Lamar is is he's the the miss, he's the link to everything that's going to happen successful or everything that's going to happen bad. You know, it was good to just see the Ravens get back to 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 their form and play the way that the Ravens play. And I mean, when you think about it, he didn't play the preseason, like you said that earlier, mm-hmm. right? Lamar did not play preseason, but let's let's be real, he got hurt with week ten, week eleven last year, so he hadn't played since then. Yeah, and considering mm-hmm. the, the, a lot of these other guys played all the way through 16 weeks, I mean, he he has to knock some rust off. So he wasn't supposed to start that game fast, 100 miles per hour, 10 for 10, 12 for 12, 14 for 14. It was he was supposed to be able to knock some dust off and get some timing and stuff right and get that live action, get hit again for the first time, right, since he got injured, you know. So, I mean, I think from to me, he had an outstanding, you know, first game, considering the fact that you're dealing with contract negotiation, people in your face all summer long, to right. Lamar Jackson's credit, as you said, he blocked any of that out and and got off to the slow start, but then really took over and Played the fifty five yard touchdown. He had three touchdown passes, and the second one to Duvernay. He said he'd hoped to go to Mark Andrews on that one. He mm-hmm. wasn't open to do again to Duvernay's credit. He works himself open, and and Jackson hits him for the touchdown. So it was, was it the a really, second one, the no look pass, Bo. He someone asked, it was a no look pass. Jackson said, "No, I looked at him. I saw him. I haven't looked at a replay again to say a lot of." Someone asked him specifically Whoa. in the press conference afterward and said, "Was that a no look pass?" And Jackson said, "No, I, I looked at him. I looked at him, but I don't know. Maybe it looked like a no look uh, pass. You don't well, think he looked?" I'm telling up? you, man. But I'm telling you right now, he definitely saw him. I mean, it, you can't throw a no look pass without seeing him. But it's more, it's more of a peripheral thing, right? Maybe it was. Yeah, his head was looking this way, and he threw the ball that way. I was, have, I'll have to go look was, at it again. It was a classic Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, freaking um, Pat Mahomes. I mean, he's right there with everybody. And to me, that shows that he's maturing. Like That, that shows you that he's getting confident enough to do things that he would normally do in a backyard setting. Even though it wasn't backyard football, it's NFL pro football that he's playing. To go into your bag of tricks – and to be able to throw that ball to Duvernay, I'm telling you, when you watch it, Bo, you're going to smile and you're going to smile and you're going to smile. I'll look you know at it again. You got something special. It goes a long way. I think that game against the Jets goes a long way towards Jackson now having a lot more trust in Duvernay to know he can go up and throw that ball in a contested corner of the end zone and think his guy's going to go win it. He never quite had that trust with a guy like Miles Boykin, and it doesn't always happen with every receiver. But if you're a quarterback and you trust your receivers like he's trusted mark andrews since day one that goes a long way and so i think that duvernay earned a lot of trust from jackson with the way he played all right let's turn over to this defense because quite frankly the defense is where i think the ravens won the game as soon as they got 10 points it just felt like it was over um for a defensive coordinator mike mcdonald i thought he had a terrific game yes the ravens faced a defense an offense that was missing two offensive tackles missing the starting quarterback questionable offense anyway but the defense excelled at all three levels defensive line was dominant that was the word uh, John Harbaugh used yesterday he called it dominant especially Michael Pierce and Justin Matabike I think Justin Matabike had the best game of his career in this game he was in the backfield all day long Patrick Queen at the linebacker position played every down and he did not he played every snap defensively and he did not do that last year remember they used to pull him off the field in passing situations because they did not like what he was looking like in, in pass coverage. He played every down in that game. And then the secondary, 
Williams gets an interception that sets up their first score. Chuck Clark punched out a ball that Marlon Humphrey recovered for a second turnover. They were active. They showed a lot of those three safety looks we talked about after after Kyle Hamilton was drafted, where they put Hamilton and Williams deep, and Chuck Clark as like a dime linebacker, and they used that three safety look a lot. I want to say one thing about Chuck Clark. You're Chuck Clark, and it is March, and you see the team sign Marcus Williams to this big contract, and you think, okay, they they they, they signed a safety. Now the draft comes along, and they use their number one pick on another safety. And if you're Chuck Clark, you're thinking, wait a minute, what's going on here? And he admitted to us that he, he, he was not happy, and I don't know who would be. And he asked to be traded, and it didn't happen. Chuck Clark, he's a, he is a consummate pro. And when it didn't happen, Chuck Clark said, fine, you know what? I'm going to compete for my job because I'm a, I'm a ball player, I'm a competitor, and no one's just going to take my job from me. And Chuck Clark has done nothing but put his head down and work the whole summer. And so, of course, he was on the field. He played every snap again. I think he had nine tackles. He forced the fumble that was recovered by Marlon Humphrey that uh, thwarted a, a Jets drive. He just he, he, he plays hard. He plays all the time. And I think the guy deserves a lot of credit for just being a consummate pro and not being, being discouraged or not just putting his head in the sand about everything that happened. And he, he's just out there competing. And they want to play a lot of these three safety looks. And I think Chuck Clark is a big, big part of that. So a lot of credit to him. But as you watch this Ravens defense, Daniel Wilcox, it's Mike McDonald's first game as the defensive coordinator. Can you see enough in that game to say, wow, that's so much different than Wink Martindale you did on defense? Or what impressed you most about the way that defense played? I think um, I think for me, it was just how how physical and how active everybody seemed. There, seemed, there never seemed to be anybody standing watching around, which is kind of traditional for a Ravens defense, you know, all 11 men to the ball. And they just flew around, man. They flew around. They looked like Ravens. When you see Ravens fly in on a, on a scene and some food on the ground, it's, it's <laughs> 10, 15 on them there, you know. And I think that's what it felt like for Flacco. Like, oh, my God, I know it's only 11 of these guys, but it felt like it was 15, 20 guys sometimes, you know, coming at me. They was all over the place. They was buzzing around, flying around. They hit Flacco quite a bit and made them uncomfortable. And I and I think that's who we are. You know, I, I love to see the turnovers. Every time the Ravens have a turnover on defense – it's reminiscence of what I know Raven football is all about, right. right? You know, so, um, you know, I love the fumble. I love the interception. You know, I love all that stuff. Like, it makes me feel good. The only thing I was missing was the was the pick. When he picked it, he didn't pitch it back to somebody else. You know, <laughs> the Ed Reed. I'm, yeah, that's what I'm used to seeing. You know, those guys played so well together. It was like – it was like watching best friends since they was childhood friends just playing together, you know, pitching the ball back to each other once. You know, Dion, you know, Samari, you know, all those guys, man. It was so fun on the sideline cheering for those guys week in and week out. You become a fan, too, as a player when you watch your defense play, and they're phenomenal like our defense is. So um, just watching these guys in week one, I felt like they dominated the game, and they definitely did take over on every single level. I agree with Harbaugh. The D-line played physical. They, everybody used their hands well. They flew, they flew around to the ball. They made plays, play after play. They got off the field on third down, which is important. You know, getting off the field on third down is extremely, extremely important. That was one of the things that Ray used to always stress. Uh, it's third down. Let's get off the field, fellas. And, and I, I like that, man. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm always proud to be a Raven, but they definitely made me proud this week. The Jets were two for 14 on third down, to your point, and they didn't have a third down conversion in the entire first half. And if I remember right, 
Their first third down conversion, I believe, came on a penalty late in the third quarter. They just could not move the ball. You're exactly right. right. They couldn't extend drives. The Ravens did a great job getting out of third down situations. So for Mike McDonald and the defense, it was an outstanding debut. John Harbaugh yeah. said he was giving a game ball to the defensive line. He thought top to bottom from the, you know, Pierce, Matabike, Calais Campbell, Broderick Washington, uh, Brent Urban, every one of them really exactly. overmat- overmatched the Jets offensive line that we knew had issues. But it's one thing to have the issues, and it's another thing to make sure you take advantage of the of the th- situation. But as I said, Justin Matabike was just unstoppable. And Michael Pierce, he looked tremendous. So a huge, huge boost from that interior defensive line. I thought in training camp that was the most consistent group we saw all summer, and it, it, it kept right up through the first game of the season. And we will hope that it continues going forward. Coming up with the Ravens, now 1-0. They will be hosting the Miami Dolphins in the home opener this coming week at MNT Bank Stadium at 1 o'clock. The Dolphins are coming off a win over the New England Patriots, and they bring a good team. In horse racing, they call it a, uh, you, you step up in class, and I feel like this week the Ravens are stepping up in class, moving from the Jets to the Miami Dolphins. I think it will be a tougher test. Daniel Wilcox and I will be back later this week with another episode looking more closely at the Miami Dolphins, who frankly made the Ravens look bad last year. And this has to be on the minds of both teams when the Dolphins come to Baltimore. So we'll be back with a show later this week previewing the Ravens and the Dolphins. Thanks for listening to Believe in the Ravens, presented by Bet Online.